You know, as you think about being a parent, um, parenting is a great blessing. Psalm 127 says children are a, a gift from the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's, it's right for us to think about some of the joys and privileges that come with parenting. And hopefully, you know, even as you're filling out your little card, thinking about things that, that are a, a joy to you, you can uh, you you have have different memories maybe of of particular things that happened with one or more of your children or uh, particular ways you've seen the Lord encourage you through that. Um, but parenting is also a a challenge. You know, parenting is something that uh, we feel the weight of. You know, I, I'm I'm always encouraged that people come to a class that I'm teaching in general, uh, but especially, you know, a, a parenting class like this, you know, I'm always amazed at, at how quickly the response is, not because of, of me or, or my involvement, but just because as parents, we all feel this, ah, that's something, no matter how good we feel like we've done, we always know, man, I want to do more, and there's always more that I could do, and I want to be better and more faithful at that, and so I, I trust that we're all here not because we've got it mastered, but because we know that we need the Lord's help and grace. And uh, that's true for, for me as well. I'm thankful for the chance to think through these things with you and to look at God's word together and to be encouraged and reminded of things. You know, it's been about nine weeks since I last taught what we're gonna think about today. And it was a good reminder for me, re-going through that to prepare for this morning. You know, so we all need those reminders of things that that the Lord would uh, would remind us of. So uh, a couple of just kind of house cleaning things. There's some resources up here. I may bring some other ones in over the course of the class and I'll give you either next week or the following week uh, a resource list. Um, feel free when you get here to come check out some of those things. There's a, a variety of things that we'll talk more about as we go. Most of these are things you would use with your kids. There's also a bunch of great books for you as parents that I'll, I'll refer you to some of those and mention some of those. Uh, some of these are kids' Bibles. Some of them are books that you might use uh, for more family worship, family devotion times. We'll talk more about that. Uh, there's some different movies and DVDs uh, over on the far end. Some are books that your kids might take and just read on their own as they get older. Again, a variety of ages of kids represented in our class. So uh, feel free to look at those and be uh, encouraged uh, by those uh, as we go. Also, there's some handouts on your table. Uh, I encourage you to follow along on those. The back page of those is some questions for reflection. We probably won't have time in class for you to spend a lot of time thinking about those things, but would encourage you to take that and, and at some point today or throughout the week to spend some time talking and debriefing. It's easy to hear things taught and to think that because we've heard them, we are doing them. And the reality is that we've just heard them and we need to take time to think and, and apply. And so I hope that will be the case for each of us. Well, today what I, what I want us to do is to really lay a foundation of, of thinking rightly about parenting. You know, when we um, talk about parenting and we think about parenting, it's really easy to jump to the, what should I do? <laughs> and, and maybe you're here in part because there's a really specific situation that you are thinking about with your kids and you're like, if you tell me what to do or how to handle this or how to change this one thing, it will have been worth the six weeks of my time to be here. That may be your, the, the reality. And, and we're all there where it's like, man, there's things that are pressing in our mind uh, that we are, are thinking about. but. We, we've got to remember that there's a broader picture that the Bible presents than just parenting. In fact, I was, I was uh, um, thinking about this, you know, watching some football yesterday and, and uh, you know, read an article a couple years back about a, uh, an NFL running back who was holding out for a new contract and he finally got his contract. And, and when they were asking him what his goals were for that season, he, he was sharing all these things that were all about him. He wanted to be the first guy to rush for 2,500 yards and, and had all these ambitions, which were not bad things for a football player to want to do, but they aren't the goal. What's the goal in football? to win the game, right? And it's not the stats. It's not how an individual player does. It's we want to win the game. And, and so it is with parenting. Parenting is one small part of a larger focus that God would call us to have. You know, but it's easy to think of parenting as kind of a, a segregated part of life, but it's not an isolated part of life. Parenting is not just one little silo that we can think of and, and kind of master. Rather, parenting is one piece of God's larger design for the family. 
it fits into the bigger picture of what God has planned for family and for generations. And, and really family is one piece of God's larger eternal plan. And so that's where we're going to start today. If we're going to be godly, faithful, biblical parents, we first need to understand God's design for the family. And so I want you to turn to Genesis 1 with me this morning as we begin. You know, the Bible is not a book about parenting, is it? It's not the best-selling parenting book out there. It speaks about parenting but it's not primarily about parenting. It has vital truth about parenting, but that truth has a larger context. And so the story of your family and you as a parent fits into the bigger picture, the bigger story of what God is doing in scripture, of God redeeming a people by his son, for his son, to his own glory. And so the Bible is a, a story of God's perfect creation that fell into sin and God's plan to redeem his creatures, to redeem mankind, and, and to establish a future kingdom in which that redeemed people reign with and worship Christ. And the story of your family is, is part of that larger story. You see, families are an end and parenting is an end to something much greater. Now that doesn't minimize the importance of parenting if we think rightly about it. It doesn't mean we say, well, hey, parenting doesn't matter. It really gives more importance to parenting because it's about something far more than just us and, and our kids. And so we wanna think just briefly about that together. Genesis begins, as you know, Genesis one, in the beginning, God. It, it begins with the God who has eternally existed and that God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 records that creation over six days and in, in verse 26 it describes the creation of man. It says God said in verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This eternal God, the authority over all things as a part of the creation of his world made man. And he made man male and female and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. You have a role in the world that I have made to rule and to, uh, to oversee and that is going to include the multiplication of people through families. We see more of that in chapter two as God kind of zooms in on this creation of man. Look at verse seven of chapter two. It says, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being and the Lord God planted a garden toward the east of Eden and there he placed the man which he had formed and out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that's pleasing in the sight, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. And he instructed the man on the, the fact that he could not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 18, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, God formed every beast and brought him to the man to name. But uh, verse 20 says there was not a found a helper suitable for him and so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon man and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh and he fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken. Man said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man and for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were naked and not ashamed. You know, we see in, in this opening 
uh, section of scripture, some really key principles about God's intent and design for the larger family. You know, it, it started back in Genesis 1 with God as the ultimate authority over everything because he made everything. We understand that when you create something, you have authority over that to do what you will with it. You know, if you're uh, if one of your kids works really hard to make something out of Legos and then another kid comes and destroys it, that first child is offended because that was mine. I made that. Now, it may not be theirs. It's your Legos, uh, not theirs. And, uh, and they can share in those things. But the, the creator has the right to do to what they've made uh, what they will, and, and they have authority and ownership of what they've made. And so God created all things, and, and that gives him the right to tell us Here's the purpose of these things I've made. Here's how they should function. And so God created as part of his world families to be a part of that larger eternal plan. We'll talk more about that here in a bit. He designed families as a key component of the world that he made and and as a key part of what he is doing in the world. And, And we see here in Genesis 1 and 2 that marriage is the foundation of the family. God created initially Adam and Eve, right? He did not create Adam and Eve and Johnny and Sally and start with a full family. He started with a man and his wife. This reminds us that that there is a a purpose for family that flows from marriage and that marriage is is part of God's design for the family that is is broader than simply uh, having children and parenting. You will, you will have a purpose in marriage, those of you uh, that are married, to, to uh, continue after your kids are long gone. That gives us a long-term view of, of parenting, you know, that, that we've got to be thinking not simply about this stage of life, but the bigger picture. And, and we see in Genesis that husbands are intended to be the head of the family. For the men in this room, parenting comes back Uh, in large part to your leadership in the home. God established Adam as the one who was going to lead and and who was going to be the head. Husbands get that role, not in an authoritarian way, but by sacrificing and and serving and by dying for their family every day to their self and, and by shepherding and leading them. Certainly there are times when in God's providence, a husband is not present in the family or a husband doesn't embrace that role and, and God gives grace to, to the wife, to the, the mother, to, uh, to shepherd and lead and he gives other resources to come alongside but uh, his, his normal means of, of working in the family is through the marriage and through the headship of the husband. We see in, as well that children are an expected blessed addition to that family. You know, he, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Part of God's blessing on them was the, the, the privilege of having children. And yet those children we see also are to be raised to do what? To leave. Some of you are looking forward to that day more than others. You know, he says that, that man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Now, uh, that doesn't mean we're rushing to get there and, and there's a long-term process that God intends for us to go through as parents with our kids, but they are not always to be with us. We are raising them to go out from us, to, to be their own family, to, to establish their own home and marriage. Again, gives us a long-term vision, seeing your kids as adults. Can you picture that? Some of you have, have like two-year-olds. Can you picture that two-year-old? You know, 20 years from now and, and what may be coming down their, their life. Some of you have older kids. You know, I have a, a 15-year-old and, and these realities are setting in far more than they used to. I remember when my oldest turned nine, that was a significant event in my life because I remember thinking we're like halfway done with her, Lord willing. Um, you know, that, that we're, we're partway there, we're, you know, and, and how have we been faithful in these nine years? What, have we, what opportunities have we missed, and how can we be faithful in the second half of what God's given? So they're, they're to be raised to leave and start their own family, and, and that doesn't happen just overnight. It's, it's anticipating that and working towards that. You guys, if we could stop there, it would be beautiful, <laughs> 
If we could say, man, that's, that's God's design for the family. That's exactly what's going on in, in everyone's home in perfection. But unfortunately, chapter three of Genesis records what? Records sin. And so what we see is, is that that design God intended for the family, Satan and sin twisted and undermined everything that God designed every aspect of the family. We see in chapter three that the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, and he said to who? He came to the woman. God came to who? Adam, and gave instruction to him. Serpent said, no, I'm gonna twist this, and, and he came to Eve. And he began to question and to cause her to, to doubt what God had said and twisted the word of God so much so that in verse six, when the woman saw the tree was good for food and a delight to the eyes and desirable to make one wise, she took and ate and gave it to her husband. And verse seven, they eyes were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves loin coverings. And, and God came to them and he asked them where they are and, and they hid from him and and he recognized, or he says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you? He knew they had. He calls to them, and, and what happens right away? They start to shift blame. The man says, well, hey, it was the woman. It wasn't just the woman's fault, though. He says, it was the woman you gave me. He says, God, you did this, right? This good gift that I was so excited about and thankful for, now I'm blaming for what has happened, and, and he said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent, it was the serpent's fault. As a result of this, sin entered the world and sin corrupted everything about marriage and family and, and parenting. And, and some of that is the inherent consequences of our sinfulness. Some of that is the result of, of the curse that God has brought. We see one of those Results in verse 15, God speaking to the serpent said he would put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. God, in, the, in those initial moments after the fall into sin, offers the hope of the gospel, which we will see as well. And, and to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. Not sure what that was like before, but uh, sorry for you ladies now. Obviously that's, uh, um, you know, I think the, the physical aspect of that, also just the pain of, of motherhood, all that goes into that, the, the challenges of parenting in a fallen world. And in pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. It's that, that twisting of roles and relationships in marriage that affects the family. And yet, as I mentioned, the, we see the gospel as that ultimate hope and only hope for the world and the family. God says even in the midst of the consequences of sin, there's hope that a, a seed of woman is coming who will crush the serpent. He, he, after they had fallen into sin, he, he took animals and, and killed those animals and made garments for them, uh, the, the first sacrifice on their behalf. And and he named the woman Eve, the mother of all living, even though she was, was fallen and deserved death in, in a picture of the hope that was coming because of Christ. You see, this is the reality for us, is that God has designed our family to function a particular way, and yet sin undermines those things and those roles, and, and sin has broken us and, and our world and God's intent is not simply that we strive to do it right, although he does desire that, but his intent is much broader than that. It's that you and I as individuals and as, as couples and as families are a part of the work that God is doing in the world to bring glory to himself, the work of redemption. You know, if we think of that, if we recognize that families, one piece of God's larger plan and parenting, one piece of the, the larger design for the family. How does parenting fit into that larger eternal plan of God? What's God doing through you and in you as parents that fits with that bigger picture of what he's doing in the world? You know, there's a lot of ways we could package that, but I want us to think of it in, in kind of three ways that God's design is that sinful parents first 
be redeemed and transformed in Christ. What is God doing in the world? He is about redeeming people and transforming them into the image of his son. And that starts not with your kids, but with you. We're gonna talk more about that in, in a bit, but that means that God is using parenting not simply for the sake of your kids, but he's using it for you. And so often we miss that. I think that's why, one of the reasons why parenting takes a really long time and certain stages of parenting take a really long time. Like why is it that kids need like years to learn how to use the bathroom and not have to do diapers? Is that because like there's some inherent benefit to the children in that process? No. I don't think so. I think it's God's sanctifying work in us as parents, right? It's about us being redeemed and and ultimately being transformed. And God desires that we would display that work in our uh, in, in that that God is doing in our lives, his redeeming transformative work to our families and to the world. God wants to glorify himself as you and I are transformed as parents and as as people, and then he wants us, as he's using parenting in our lives, to become an instrument of that work in the lives of our kids. He wants us to be instruments of God's redeeming and transforming work in the lives of their children. So it starts with us, God is about working in our lives and in our hearts, and then he wants to use us as instruments in the lives of our kids. Now obviously we could spend a lot more time looking at those different fundamental things that God intended for the family. In some ways you could say that a marriage class is a parenting class because your marriage affects your parenting. But we're gonna focus on that one issue of parenting because that's what you signed up for and we only have six weeks. But we've gotta got recognize the bigger picture. We've gotta understand God's design for the family. And a second foundational thing that we have to do is we have to maintain the right focus as parents. You know, if you think of most people, not necessarily you or the person sitting at the table next to you, but if you went up and asked somebody on the street um, this week, what, what comes to mind when you think of a good parent? What do you think kind of answers you would get? What's a good parent? Okay, patient, present, yeah, spend time with their kids, yeah, yeah, some are, would be more, you know, focused on the product, well-behaved kids, okay, very successful children, yeah, so the product may be focused on behavior, it may be focused more on, uh, you know, achievement in those ways. Okay, yeah, the relationship that they have with their child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think some people would answer that focused primarily on characteristics of the parent, right? You know, they're, they're patient and, and loving, they communicate well with their kids, and, and, and there's a temptation to say that that standard of what a parent should be is, is almost perfection, that there's something that, that we can all, uh, you know, none of us can really reach to. Some would probably focus more on methods or techniques or things that parent does. A good parent spends a certain amount of time with their kids. A good parent, you know, coaches them and is involved in their extracurricular activities. A good parent does X, Y, or Z. Some would focus more on the product, on, you know, their kids are obedient, their kids are excelling in various ways. You know, as a result of that, what do most parents usually focus on? Well, yeah, tend to focus on their child and, and they evaluate how they're doing on what is this producing in my child today? And so we tend to, to waffle wide, widely on our evaluation of, of ourselves as a parent because it depends on how our kid is doing at that particular moment. <laughs> yes, w all of those are are legitimate things to consider as parents. You know, there, there is a right place for considering, uh, you know, all of those things. 
but we tend to focus primarily on the results. We tend to be very pragmatic as, as we evaluate parenting. If it works, it's great. <laughs> and while God usually or normally uses the means of, of faithful parents to produce change in kids, there's no guarantee about that. And, and God is gracious and, and sovereign. Good parents can have bad kids. Bad parents can have good kids. Uh, but we rarely see the fruit of parenting immediately. And so we've got to be so quick to, to focus on the right things that Scripture calls us to. And, and, and starting with targeting our child's heart, not simply their behavior. You know, it's so easy. <laughs> So easy as parents to think things like, oh, my one-year-old won't eat peas. How do I get my one-year-old to eat peas? Or my baby always cries when I change their diaper or when I put them in bed or put them in their car seat. How do I keep them from doing that or cause them to stop? Or my two-year-old won't stay in bed or my four-year-old always gets really mad when I discipline them or my six-year-old keeps sneaking pens and markers and writing on the walls or on herself. My eight-year-old lies to me about brushing her teeth, or my 12-year-old argues with me about what clothes to wear, or my 14-year-old whines about getting an Instagram account, or if, if only I was a good parent, these things wouldn't happen to me. As we focus on changing behavior in our kids, if they just ate their peas, and they didn't cry, and they did what I said, and they smiled when I told them to do things, life would be good, and I would be a good parent, right? Well, that's not the goal. <laughs> What's our goal for our kids? What's God's goal for our kids? It's that they would be redeemed and transformed to be like Jesus, which is not an external thing. It is a heart change. That's beyond our ability, but that's what we're to be striving for. That's what we're to be holding up as, as God's desire for our kids. It's so easy to just want to change behavior, we got to focus on the heart. We're going to talk a lot about what that looks like in our, our discipline and our instruction in the coming weeks. But focusing on our child's heart, we've got to strive, secondly, for faithfulness rather than simply fruitfulness. That we would be faithful. You know, again, you might be in this class primarily because God, because a child, um, you have a child that you want to see change as soon as possible, f perhaps for the sake of your own sanity. Um, and God may be saying, you know what? You are in this class not for the sake of that child changing. Maybe that will happen eventually. But for the sake of you and for the sake of you being transformed and you focusing on long-term faithfulness. Because we need to be faithful. Faithful parents, that's our goal. Lord, help me to be faithful today. Not necessarily going to see the fruit today. Parenting is a long-term thing. The fruit may or may not come, but Lord, give us the grace to be faithful. Part of what that means, thirdly, is that we pay attention to who we are, not simply what we do. Again, you're sitting here thinking, I want to know what to do. <laughs> And we're going to get there, and God instructs us on that. We're going to spend most of the next few weeks looking at what God tells us to do as parents. But we cannot start there. We need to think about those things, but we first have to start with who we are. You know, we can, we can focus just on the godly parenting and forget that it starts with being godly parents. Look at... You know, some of the, the texts that we are, we're, we're going to consider and, and that we want to jump into. Look at Deuteronomy 6. It's a great parenting text. We can jump right to verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6 if we're not careful. Or, yeah, with Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, which says, You shall teach them God's word, God's commandments, diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you say, all right, I can do that. What's that look like? Talk to me about these books over here that are going to help me do that. How can I do that? And we can jump in at verse 7 and we can forget that this actually flows out of verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And then you can do that, right? So we got to do it. There's stuff we need to do, but it's not just about what we do. It's about who we are. Or look at Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Great psalm that we will consider in greater detail as we go through the class. Psalm 145 verse 4 is a great verse. It says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. That's what we're to do. We're to be one generation praising God's works to the other, declaring their, his mighty acts to our kids. But that flows out of what? Out of verse one, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and will praise your name forever and ever. It, it flows out of, as it, it continues in verse, um, uh, as the psalm uh, continues, that we will meditate, verse five, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. See, it's not just about what do we do, it's about who we are. You know, or Ephesians 6, uh, that, that familiar verse that we'll spend time looking at, you know, to bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But that's in Ephesians 6, which comes after Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 about who we are. You know, if we just focus on godly parenting, our focus will tend toward what we do as parents. And again, we need to think about what we do, but we can't just focus on that. Our, our focus will move more towards parenting methods. Just tell me the right way to do this. What's the right way to handle this situation? And, and so for us, success will likely be determined by the results in the lives of our kids and, and we'll tend to view parenting as a segregated part of life, kind of like we do other hobbies. How many guys like to play golf or basketball or softball or different things? You know, that's a segmented area of your life. You can go throughout your day and do a million things that have nothing to do with golf, and then you can go out there and say, oh, I want to I hit the golf shot nice and straight, and this is what I do for that. We think about parenting that way. It's like, you know, I'm just going about my life, and oh, here's now I'm, I'm on the course parenting, and how do I do this right? No, it's not like that. It's about all of life. Uh, it's about being a faithful, godly parent who does parenting. But when we do that, our, our focus will tend to be on who we are as, as parents. We'll, we'll focus first on our own hearts and our motivations. Success will be determined not by the results we see in the lives of our kids, but by faithfulness and fulfilling our responsibility. And we'll, we'll view parenting as related to all of life. As we need to be focused and paying attention, not simply on what we do, but on who we are. Again, that's why really the whole Bible is helping us to think about parenting because it's helping us to be who God intended for us to be, to think rightly about ourselves and him, to be growing and sanctified, and, and that's a part of what God does for us as parents. A fourth focus we need to maintain is centering our lives on Christ and not on ourselves or our children. You know, the danger of a parenting class is that all we think about coming out of that is our kids or us. You know, we evaluate ourselves and all we think about is how am I doing and how did I do today and how am I going to do tomorrow? Or we think about our kids and it's all focused on them and, and the scriptures, what God is doing is is all about Christ. God wants us to be Christ-centered parents, to be living for him, to be loving him chiefly, to be transformed into Him, his image. That's why it's impossible in a six-week class to cover everything the Bible says about parenting because everything in the Bible relates to parenting as we think of those things. You know, for some, that can be a scary, sobering reality. To recognize that, you know what? I can't just get a few things down as a parent and be good. I can't fake it. I can't say, well, I'm, I'm at least doing these four or five things, so I'm, I'm faithful as a parent because I'm doing that. 
No, you can't just learn a few tips and tricks. You can't do it in 30 minutes of quality time a day. But for others of you, that's a very freeing thing. Because we're so prone to think, oh, I just, I got to do these things right. And the reality is, no, we, we need to be focused on Christ and loving him. We need to be humble before his word, growing ourselves, seeking to obey him, yes. And, and all of that relates to us as parents. You don't have to read every good book on parenting to be a good parent. You don't have to read every blog on child nutrition to be a good parent. You don't have to have your child in every possible beneficial extracurricular activity to be a good parent. You have to love Jesus and love his word and be striving every day to let that influence and, and permeate your life. When you do that, your parenting will reflect that focus just like every other area of your life reflects that focus. And you will be an increasingly faithful parent. Again, for some of you, that's great news because you say, that's what I want. <laughs> that's what we're about. For some, you might say, oh, that's a lot harder than just a few tips and tricks that I was hoping to walk out of here with. But it's easy to, to lose this as our, our center. And again, that doesn't mean we don't need the practical. We're going to get there. We're going to spend five out of six weeks on that. <laughs> Trust me, we'll get there. Uh, and we benefit from that. But it's all for nothing if, if we're not getting the big picture focus right. You know, it's easy to become centered and distracted on so many other things, even good things. And, and some of that can be our children. It's very easy to be overly focused on our, even our own kids. There's a, a helpful book, Gospel Powered Parenting. You can be a good parent and not have read it. Um, but it's... It's got a section that, that speaks to this in a very powerful way, and I, I just want to read a little bit of it to you. He's speaking about child-centered families, and he says, effective parents are not child-centered. They are God-centered or Christ-centered. They strive to put God at the center of their family. The 18th century New England Puritan pastors warned their congregations not to love their children too much. He says, if they live today, they might say, don't put your children at the center of your life that spot belongs to God. And then he gives a, a couple of examples of one family, Ken and Jackie, who are sincere parents, but their sincerity was their problem. They loved their children. In fact, they loved them too much. They had a, a son who was a talented athlete, a daughter who was a talented ballerina, and, and so their priorities began to center on those things. He says eventually their kids went off to college and, and both quit attending church and and they wondered, what went wrong? What, what do we do? Or how can we get our children back? And he says, they had made a common mistake. They centered their family around their children. It's important to love your children, but there's a fine line between healthy parental love and child worship. We know the latter has happened when we begin compromising God's will for the sake of our children or their activities. They'd stopped giving and praying together as a family. They made soccer and ballet, not the local church, the center around which their family orbited. Compromise always points to idolatry. It displeases God. He does not like competitors, especially when they are our children. They had placed their children and their success on the throne of their family. Their children heard the message, understood it, and imitated it. And then he contrasts that with another hypothetical family, Tim and Angie, who centered their home in God and his will. Told his soccer coach, my son will be available any day but, but Sunday, sorry for the inconvenience. And when he found out that his daughter's piano lessons would be uh, during another key family time, he gently asked her to find another teacher, uh, that their family time was uh, more of a priority. And, and you know, he says these decisions might seem small, but they had immense long-term consequences. Tim centered his family in God and his will. He centered his, uh, Ken centered his and his children God was at the center of Tim and Angie's. Ken's world orbited around his children. Tim's decisions disappointed his children in the short run, but won them for Christ in the long run. Ken and Jackie thought they were loving their children, but they were actually forfeiting their children's respect, driving them away. He continues, where a family centers itself, God or children will first depend on where the family's head centers himself. 
Is he seeking to please God or his children? Is he willing to disappoint his family to please God or does he fear their disapproval? Does he have a clear grasp of God's will for his family? Um, and, And he continues down that line. You know, it's so easy for us in the name of loving our children to communicate something that is not true to them, which is that they are most important and that life and the world revolves around them. We're to love our kids, and we'll talk more about that. We're to sacrifice for our kids, but our kids are to know from our life that Christ, that God is at the center, that he is the most important thing to us. We can easily be child-centered, but we can also be parent-centered if we're not careful. Some of that can come from being so focused on ourselves and, and so self-evaluative that, that we're just consumed with us and what we do, but some of it can just be we're selfish. You ever sit at home on the couch, and uh, maybe some of you wish you had kids who were old enough to be useful, um, but uh, you know, I can sit around at, at the couch and, and tell my kids to go do stuff that would be helpful for the family while I sit there. You know, and there's a, a place and time for them to serve, and there's a place and time for, for me to rest, but, um, but it, it's, not, um, it's not that God has given my kids to me to be a blessing to me, to help me. You know, we can make it all about us and, and what we want and, and our world and, and maybe neglect some of our children's priorities because we're so selfish that we want things to revolve around us. Both of those are, are wrong. Christ is to be at the center. Christ is to be our priority. What our children know we love most. What our world revolves around. Now you might say, well, so how does that Christ-centered parent handle a, a two-year-old who's tearing up their house? Well, God gives us some help and instruction for that. Or, or how does that Christ-centered parent relate to the teenager who doesn't want to talk to them? Well, the scriptures give us some insight into those things, but it, it, it starts with having that right focus. The, the last thing I want us just to briefly consider together this morning are some critical truths in tension that we need to balance. You know, so much of thinking rightly about parenting is, is keeping um, biblical truth in right perspective and intention. Satan loves to take things and to twist them. And, and Satan doesn't really care if you go off on the right or if you go off on the left. He, wa- he just wants you to go off of the balance that God has intended. And so I just want to give you five uh, truths that we will again flesh out many of these a little bit more in the coming weeks together that we need to balance as we think about parenting. The first is the priority of the family and the broader plan of God. Guys, is family important? It is. Is parenting important? You bet. The the chief human relationship in your life is your marriage and and of second priority in that is, is your children. Family and parenting is one of the most important priorities of our life, but we have to balance that with the reality that God is about more than simply families. Yes, that's, that's hard to balance sometimes. Where there's a priority of, of family, we're gonna spend time with our family, but guess what? We're also to, to serve others and to love the church and to be involved in other things. Yes, that, that balance is key for us, that we're not over-exalting the family, but we're also not, uh, not minimizing the priority and importance of that. Second pair of truths we have to keep in intention is God's sovereignty and our responsibility. I mentioned Psalm 127, if you will turn there with me briefly. Psalm 127 is a chapter that reminds us how children are a gift of the Lord. It's a re- they're a reward from the Lord and, and they're to be, verse four, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. They're, they're to be raised to be useful. You know, it's like a, uh, we, we, when you're young, you probably think of kids in a, 
uh, a quiver and you know we, we think of our quiver as full because our life is insane because we have young children um, and and the picture though is that quiver it's not just full and you know we're we're not going to add to our family but it's this quiver is full of useful tools like arrows in the hands of a warrior that are are productive and and profitable he says and how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them they will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate you know children are are a gift from god they're to be cultivated to maturity to usefulness as they grow and and yet this psalm starts in verse 1 with an emphasis on the lord and his work verse 1 says unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it unless the lord guards the city the watchman keeps awake in vain it's vain for you to rise up early to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors for he gives to his beloved in his sleep he's giving a a powerful principle that god is ultimately the one who does the work you and i can labor to build the house to guard the city we can labor as parents and yet it is not going to bear fruit apart from the lord's work and this reminds us that the lord works even when we are not laboring he gives to his beloved even in his sleep god is at work accomplishing his purposes even when we are not we have to balance god's sovereignty and our responsibility, those truths that only God can change your child's heart. Is that's a, a truth we have to understand and cling to and that drives and motivates how we parent and how we think about parenting. It drives us to the priority of praying for our kids, not just talking to our kids, talking to God about our kids. It, it drives us to the priority of God's word that that's the means God says he uses. Your child needs to be born again. You, you contributed to their first birth. Only God can cause them to be born again. And yet we see in scripture that parents are the primary means God uses to change a child's heart. He, he says, this is the means that I will in a normative way use. And it's, it's parents instructing and disciplining their kids. And so on the one hand, we need to be as faithful as we can, as though this depends on me, knowing all the while that this doesn't depend on me. This depends on God at work in the heart of my child. Again, if we err on one side or the other, if we, if we think, well, hey, God's responsible, so I'm just going to kick back and trust that if God's going to work in my kid's heart, he's going to work in my kid's heart. No. But if we just err on the side of man's responsibility, we got to be faithful, this depends on us, man, how will you be able to to sleep at night and, and to trust the Lord and, and to direct your kids to God's grace. God's sovereignty and our responsibility. We need thirdly to balance parenting today with an eye to tomorrow. This is something the Lord continues to remind me of as we've gone through various stages of parenting that, that parenting is a long-term commitment that requires long-term, really eternal perspective we need to recognize this is a a long-term deal you know most of us are only partway all of us are only partway down that road some of us are are just getting started you know with with parenting kids we need to recognize this is a a long-term deal it's not just about changing my kids behavior tomorrow or next week it's about longing to see them with Christ for eternity, longing to see them loving Jesus as they are starting their own family years from now. And yet we have to balance that perspective with the fact that parenting is the briefest of opportunities and each day must be seized. Because if we just focus on the fact that, hey, this is a long-term deal, we got 18 years. <laughs> What's our temptation? Yeah, I'll parent well tomorrow. I can always start that tomorrow. I always do that next week. Maybe when they turn another year older, we'll do this. No, no. It's a long-term deal. We've got we to gotta keep that perspective, but we also have to seize every day and every opportunity. But balancing that helps us to be faithful now while recognizing that we probably didn't ruin our kid today. <laughs> you know, you ever feel that way, particularly moms, where it's like, oh, man, this was an opportunity today, and I totally blew it. And I probably have just 
doomed my child to a life of utter failure and probably eternal hell because of how I handled that. No. No, it's a long-term deal. Your kid probably won't remember that, you know, week from now, 10 years from now. But your faithfulness day after day, striving to, to honor the Lord in those things. We've got a parent today with an eye to tomorrow. We've got to be focused, balancing on, uh, or balance f- fourthly, that parenting is about God using me to change my kids. And parenting is about God using my kids to change me. You know, in every interaction with your kids, God desires to change them. He desires to use you as an instrument in their life. He chiefly gives you two means to do that, instruction and discipline. And we're going to talk the next few weeks about those two tools that God gives you. And he desires every time you're interacting with your kids that that's what is characterizing your engagement with them, that you are being useful to change them. But in every interaction with your kids, God desires also to change you. And so often, our kids don't change right away. But God would work in us so that we would grow, so that we would be increasingly conformed to the image of of Christ. God is changing you as you are striving to see growth in your kids. We need to balance those things together. And then lastly, we need to balance modeling the fatherhood of God while also being a child of God. We're going to talk more about this when we think about discipline next week, how God is a father to his children and how that shapes how we think about our own parenting of our kids. And And so we need to recognize that one of the privileges that God has given us is that we are to be a model for our kids of the loving, authoritative fatherhood of God. Your kids learn what God is like through your example. They they get to experience what a father is like through you as parents. They, They get to experience authority through you as parents. They, they learn of God through your example. Now, are you a perfect example of that? No. Are they going to get a, an, an entirely accurate picture from that? No. They're going to see that you fall woefully short of that, which is why we are also not only modeling what God is like, we are to be a model for our kids of a humble, dependent, submissive child of God as well. We are an example for them of what a sinner looks like and how a sinner rightly responds to their own sin in, in, in humbly acknowledging that and confessing that and depending on Christ, not depending on ourselves. And we get to be both of those things. And there's times where you are both of those things in a very small period of time. <laughs> You know, when as the parent, you are, you are uh, uh, expecting obedience and you are disciplining disobedience and yet in that process, maybe you've made that a little bit more about yourself than it ought to have been. And so not only are you the authority for your child, but you are having to come back and talk with them and, and humble yourself and apologize for how you handled some of that situation and remind them that you sin just like they do and that all of you have hope because of Jesus and the gospel. We're both of those things. We get to model both of those to our kids and we have to keep those things in balance. If our kids think we think we are God, they're going to miss all that God wants to teach them. If we're only modeling the fatherhood of God to them, if, if we're acting like we are perfect and the only right authority in their life, no, no, no. But if we only present to them that, hey, you know, we're, we're sinful just like you, and so we're not going to tell you what to do. We're not going to teach you. We're not going to instruct you because we're in the same boat as you. No, we've missed it. We've got to maintain a balance of those things. So, you guys, I hope that as we go through this class together, that at the end of the, of the six weeks, you and I will be able to say that we are doing a better job parenting, that we're doing things differently. <laughs> That maybe there's some very specific, practical things that we are handling in a a way that aligns more with how God's word would instruct us to do that. And, And that as you go through different stages of parenting, that you feel more equipped with the resources and tools that God has given and and the skills that God would call you to and equip you to for that. 
But more than that, I hope that six weeks from now, you can say that you are on a track to be a more faithful, godly parent. That you are, you are allowing God to use parenting as a, a means to shape you and to refine you and to transform you. That, that God is using every interaction with your kid to shape you so that you are on that path, continuing on that path to grow, to be more like Jesus whom you love and who is your hope. And so I hope this class is on the one hand freeing to you and that it sets you on a trajectory of loving Jesus and his word and letting that flow out in your interactions with your kids, that you don't leave this class paranoid that, oh, there's 1,400 things that he mentioned and I need to do all of those. And if I fail in one of those things today, I have blown it. No, no, keep the, the big picture. Understand God's design for the family. Understand how it fits within a a broader context of God's work in the world to redeem people to himself and and keep the right focus. It's not about having your kids be totally different two weeks from now. It's a focus on their heart and a focus on being faithful and on you growing and and being centered on the Lord. And, And it's about balancing these great realities that the scriptures call us to. Where we're gonna go from here is to Ephesians 6, 4 next week, where God really um, gives us, I think, two chief instructions as parents, two, two proactive things that should characterize our, instruct- or our interaction with our kids. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He says there are, there are two things that we should be focused on in terms of what we do with our kids, how we interact with our kids, and it's bringing them up in, in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so we're going to unpack that beginning next week. We'll spend a, a, a week or two on, on each of those. And then as we get towards the end of the class, we will start to look at some more specific practical issues that are, are prominent in today's day and age. So uh, I want us to think a little bit about issues of gender and how, we, how that shapes our parenting on issues of technology and, and how that shapes our parenting. Some of you are glad you have a, a two-year-old and they can't touch an iPhone and it's great. Uh, some of you, your kids are getting older and, and wrestling through how do we handle those things. And, uh, and so I want us to get there and apply some of what we've, we've learned in the early weeks on um, on thinking through some of those issues together. So that's where we'll go. If, uh, if you uh, need to, to miss a week for any reason, uh, the lessons are recorded um, and posted online. Uh, the, the lessons from the last session, I believe all of those are already up. Uh, I can't guarantee that we'll cover exactly the same content every lesson because uh, we may be a little ahead or a little behind depending on, uh, on how quickly we go and the interaction that we have. Uh, but they'll be close, so you can always listen to those, or you can look for the ones that are from the dates of this class. And uh, I'll also post the handouts with the, uh, the questions and the blanks filled in online as well if you missed any of, of that. All right, that's kind of the plan. Again, thanks for being here, and I uh, look forward to the journey together of being reminded of these things together. Let me pray for us. You can grab some more snacks, hang out and visit, come look at some different resources as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a gracious God and that your response to our sin was the sending of your son so that we could be redeemed. And thank you that you are about the work of transforming us into his image. And and Lord, we recognize that we will not ultimately be like him until we see him face to face and And yet we are eager to continue to grow, to reflect his character, to bring glory to him in this life. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would use parenting to that end in us. Lord, so many of our interactions with our kids this week are going to be opportunities for us to learn and grow, for us to be increasingly humbled before you and and to see our own sinful hearts and and to see the idolatry of our own hearts. And, and Lord, I pray that we would recognize those things and, and we would humble ourselves and grow. And, and yet, Lord, we also desire to be faithful instruments in the lives of our kids. Lord, I pray for each one in this room that you would just give them grace this week to, 
to parent with a, a focus on, on you, that they would have wisdom as they seek to interact with their kids in a way that would, would please and honor you. Might, might each of our kids see clearly in us a, a deep love for Jesus, for his word, and, and a confident hope in, in the gospel. And, and might you use that in, in their lives. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the big picture that it explains to us of your intent for uh, our lives and, and of, of your desire for the family. And we thank you for the specific instructions that you give as to us as parents. And we look forward to unpacking that more in the coming weeks. So we thank you and we love you and entrust our afternoon to you in Christ's name. Amen.